it's very much not at all how it's being presented online or like in media hmm. there's diversity absolutely in that sense and your day-to-day you see it on the train you see it uh in schools there are so many different types of people and it would be unfair to say that oh no there's just like one type of body type which i don't think it's true it's it's a time of change in korea in hmm. many different aspects and this is just one of them very grateful to be able to be a part of that and now i like i'm front and center in a studio at a photo shoot and my picture gets blown up on a monitor and like 20 people are staring at it Mm -hmm. trying to decide if it's a good enough picture and we can move on to the next shot when i'm modeling when i'm in front of the camera it's fun to be able to be on the other side of the camera and just do what i think looks good Hello, hello! Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Haria as the guest. Haria is an artist from Ottawa, the capital of Canada, and she currently lives in South Korea. Um, I think I found Haria and Kirsten from episode 90 around the same time on Instagram. So late last year, early this year, Uh, but I didn't realize that they actually know each other, you know, since they both live in Seoul, South Korea. I didn't realize that they knew each other until after I had interviewed Kirsten, so. (laughs) But as for Haria, I saw that she is a filmmaker. She's actually nearing the end of her master's program in film at a Korean university and she also makes online video content on social media and YouTube and she's also a plus-size model which I thought was really interesting I wouldn't have expected that to be an option especially in Korea so I thought okay she seems like a cool person she's up to some really interesting things that I like to ask her about and it's been a long time since I've had a Canadian on the show I think the last Canadian that I had as a guest was NB from episode 54. So, you know, plenty of reasons to invite her on. And thankfully, when I did invite her, she was very receptive. So thanks, Haria. Um, (laughs) So, of course, we talked about Haria's interest in film and how she got started studying and working in film back in Canada and why she chose to go to South Korea for grad school. This is not her first time studying in South Korea, but it is her longest stay there. Um, And she also got to attend her current university thanks to a scholarship called the Korean Government Scholarship Program, also known as the Global Korea Scholarship. We talked about her thought process and going for that. And of course, we also talked about modeling, how she got started with that, because she had no modeling aspirations before moving to Korea (laughs) and she's only been doing it for a few months like less than a year that she's been doing modeling but she's already done some really major gigs with the likes of G-Dragon who is a a rapper from a hugely famous Korean boy band called Big Bang Um, and she also earlier this year she performed in a BTS concert and BTS is like another hugely famous Korean boy band and probably the biggest group 
in the world right now. You know, so already off to a pretty awesome start considering she didn't have any prior modeling aspirations. So, you know, we talked about how she ended up doing that modeling and what it's like being a plus size model in South Korea. Oh, and how could I forget? We talked about her thesis as well. You know, she's working on her master's thesis and I won't say too much because I want you all to hear from her what her thesis is about, but it has to do with horror films and feminism. And it's so cool. It's, oh my gosh, so cool. And before I let y'all hear the interview, I do have to say that I was so engrossed in our conversation that I forgot to ask Korea where she would like to travel in the future, which is something I try to ask every guest. And like I said, I was deep in the conversation, slipped my mind. So I messaged her afterward (laughs) to see if she had any places in mind. And she said, yes, absolutely. I've already spent time in France and Italy, but I'd love to spend some time there long-term if the opportunity arises. I've also never been to America, LOL. So I'd like to head over there sometime soon as well. So hopefully those places are on the horizon for Haria as well. But for now, she's continuing to take advantage of her time in Korea, which has been complicated by the pandemic, which she touches on as well. So I'll leave you all to hear all about it. Without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Haria. Nice to meet you, first of all, and thanks for uh, making time to talk to me so late. I, feel, I still feel bad. I know you said you're a night owl, but I still feel bad for, I don't know. No, no, it's all good. After midnight, it just seems so late to me. Like, I would be asleep, you know? <laughs> I, I cannot relate to that, actually. Oh. <laughs> all right, then. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really nice to meet you and, uh, you know, I appreciate you being a guest here on the show. I'm sure this will be really fun. So yeah, why don't we start with you introducing yourself a bit, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, so hi, my name's Haria. I'm a master's student living in South Korea. I'm originally from Canada, but I've been living here for about almost three years now. I am at the end of, hopefully the end, of my master's program right now, Hmm. uh, studying cinema. And uh, yeah, I'm also, I sometimes also work as a plus-size model here in Seoul. Mm -hmm. And I'm a filmmaker, and yeah, that's that's about it. Awesome. Well, I mean, that's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but it's so cool that you're, I mean, maybe the, the student part of it is like, challenging at times but it's really cool that you're like involved in so many creative things right now yeah yeah that's awesome uh full disclosure i've I've watched like mm-hmm. almost all of your youtube videos so oh. i <laughs> cool. i have like a feel of your story i guess from what you've mm-hmm. chosen to share on the internet mm-hmm. but yeah i was curious about what got you into film in the first place mm-hmm. enough to want to you know study it and pursue it like you are now mm-hmm. So film has always kind of been a big part of my life. I just naturally uh, was fascinated by cinema and films. And as a kid, I would hyper fixate on a lot of specific movies. 
uh, that just, I don't know why, but they just like awakened something within me. Mm. And I also developed a natural interest in filmmaking and editing itself. Just, I would download the weirdest clips from when, from the internet, from YouTube, and then make these weird, elaborate little movies on Windows Movie Maker that nobody else could understand but me. <laughs> and from there, it just evolved into making, I loved making recap videos and these mini vlogs with me and my friends at school. And it just grew from there to then I started attending university and I had no idea what I was doing, no idea what I actually wanted to choose as like my quote-unquote serious career Mm -hmm. so I decided to minor in film as like my little treat for um engaging with academia I guess Mm -hmm. and um from there it just it continued to grow then it was really after I graduated university though when I kind of entered the workforce and I was just I had no idea what I was doing in life and I realized, well, why can't I pursue film? Because I just always thought it was mm. kind of a an impossible dream. It's just one of those things you love, but you can never do because of my background. And at that point, yeah, I just told myself, just go for it. Like, why not? You are, no, there is nothing stopping me except for the lack of trying. Mm-hmm. And here I am today. <laughs> yeah, that's very, um, a very wise kind of a realization that you came to in terms of just like, you know, might as well try. And trying ended up working really well for you so far and that you ended up in Korea. And I know it's not like this isn't your first time in Korea. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I guess why Korea of all places? (laughs) Like, (laughs) why did did that seem like a good fit for you? Um, So basically, many years ago, not that many, but several years ago, I attended a university in Korea just as an exchange student and it ended up being the best five months of my life. I just met so many people that are still lifelong friends to me now, made so many wonderful memories and I felt like I had like the true university experience that people talk about in movies Mm. and that I had never actually had at my home university. So Mm. after graduating, I kind of had two, like I was holding two hands, like one on one hand, I really wanted to commit to film and continue working in film. And on the other hand, I also wanted to live abroad. And I knew that living at home, I wasn't like emotionally developing as a person, Hmm. no matter how good my career prospects could be at the time. So I just knew that I needed to figure something out. So the perfect solution was to study in Korea because I knew that I also wanted to continue studying specifically cinema. Korea has a really rich mediatic world that is super impressive to me coming from where I live, which is Canada, Ottawa, Ontario. Um, Our media world is a little bit more, is a little smaller, I guess you could say. Hmm. And so coming to Korea, seeing so many industries that are very much being developed right now and becoming these huge monsters Mm -hmm. uh, is really cool from the point of view of like a film student. So it was just a natural, a natural choice for me at that point. Yeah. Uh, Natural progression. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Why do you think, or why is it, do you think that um, you got more of that quintessential college experience when you were in Korea that first time versus back home in Canada? Mm -hmm. 
So I went to the same university many of my siblings went to. I chose it as a matter of convenience. It is in the same city that I have grown up in my whole life. Mm. And it also has a French program, which um, I also studied in French. So it was just a natural choice. I never knew like I was allowed to look at universities outside of home. Oh, wow. I just thought like that was that was my only choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, like my dreams of going to NYU died at 14. So I was just like, okay, oh, no. well, this is my only choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, when I chose my major, I literally just like looked through the list of majors and I found communications. And I was like, oh, that's what you do when you don't know what you want to do. So I picked that. So I really, <laughs> I really wasn't setting myself up for success uh, mm. originally. And so when I started school, it was just I didn't want to be there. I didn't know anyone there. I ended up just hanging out with the same friends I had from high school, which is mm. completely fine because we still hang out today. But yeah, I just I, I didn't meet people. I didn't put myself out there. And I don't think even looking back now. I don't really think I would try again even now to have put myself back out there. Hmm. Um, so I basically just you know, got my good grades and I worked really hard to make money and that was it. Mm-hmm. And so when I got to Korea University, completely different. I'm not living at home for the first time. I don't have to work a job full-time, part-time, nothing. And I'm just allowed to be a, like a young 21-year-old at the time. So hmm. it opened up this whole new world that I had never been privy to where, you know, I was ready to hang out with classmates, hang out with people I'd never seen before, actually enjoy a nightlife, uh, and all these things that I'd grown up seeing, seeing on TV, but never actually engaged with. Mm -hmm. I see. So yeah. So like you were still, like you said, you were like still in your hometown, everything was still familiar. Mm -hmm. And then you had to, like you said, you had to work and, and do this and didn't feel the need to like put yourself out there as much. Whereas yeah. like when you take away all the, um, the obligations or the familiarity and while you were in Korea, like you said, you could just be, just be young and, you know, enjoy that part of the experience. So yeah. yeah. You, you said you almost went to NYU, but that died. What, <laughs> what well, happened with that? Almost is, a, almost is very much a reach. It was just like. You know, you're 14, you read all these books. Like, I was a big reader, as an avid reader as a kid. And it's just, like, naturally, you go to NYU because that's where Dan Humphrey went in Gossip Girl. And that's where <laughs> everyone, everyone dreams of going in movies. So, um, yeah, it was just, like, NYU dreams. And then I realized how much tuition costs. Oh. And I was like, well, yeah, that was, that was an idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? I... I actually also was considering going to NYU when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the, it was the same thing. The cost just wasn't, it just wasn't, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it just wasn't going to happen. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you're not only paying like US level tuition, which is, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous, but you're also living yeah. in New York City, which is yeah. also ridiculous from a yeah. cost standpoint. <laughs> I grew up in public housing. Like, that was not mm. a luxury anyone was ready to make for me. Yeah. Yeah, so I totally get it. I, I didn't go to mm. NYU either, so I totally get it. villain <laughs> origin stories. Villain origin, origin stories, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, <laughs> uh, getting back to Korea, 
if I recall correctly, you, you know, were able to be in the grad program you're in now because of the mm-hmm. Korean government scholarship program, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah. So how did you even hear about that? Because I had never, like, when I saw your videos on it, I, that was my first time ever hearing of this scholarship. It seems like a big deal. And I was like, oh, wow, why have I never heard of this. <laughs> so how did you hear about it? Um, actually, my neighbor at Korea, well, at the at my exchange university in Korea, I just like walked into the lounge one day at 4 a.m. coming back from a night out, and she was just sitting there, and I sat beside her, and I was like, "Hey, what's up?" And we just started talking. She told, started telling me about her life, and she told me about this program I could join. And then after graduating, I was like, "Yep, yeah, that's the one." Hmm. That was is pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you, I mean, I know you've already spent a lot of time like discussing the whole application process Mm -hmm. previously, so I won't ask you to rehash all of that, but can you touch on briefly like how you went about applying for it and what you think, what you think you did that made the difference and um, allowed you to be, you know, accepted? So it was three years ago. So I might, I might not hit the nail on the head. That's okay. (laughs) I think that well, when I set my sights on applying, which was in the summer and the application is due sometime in like end of winter, early spring. Hmm. So I basically told myself, I'm going to turn myself into the most perfect candidate they've ever seen. So for like nine months or however long it was, I kind of hustled in trying to make my specs just look better. So I volunteered much more than I originally would. I took some random classes and also, you know, did a lot more in terms of filmmaking Hmm. that made me, well, I was going to do it anyways, but (laughs) I was a lot more motivated because I was like, okay, let's do this so that we can try to get the scholarship. And yeah, that's pretty much it. The scholarship requires like a lot of research, a lot of your own, like figuring things out because it's not super obvious. Mm. And so I often get people asking me questions in my DMs. And at this point, I'm like, you just got to figure it out. <laughs> because it's like, it's that's part of, that's half the job is figuring things out mm-hmm. for the scholarship. I've, I've, I've told people as much as I know. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know if things have changed, but it's just like making yourself look adaptable look like someone who can handle living in another country because it's hard. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. And the Korean school system is very rigorous and you will encounter so many problems, problems you never even knew were possible. And you have to be able to just like survive that and Mm -hmm. figure things out on your own without any help. Cause absolutely nobody is going to be holding your hand throughout this experience. And sometimes it's nice to have your hand held. So Mm -hmm. Uh, that's that's another rough thing you have to get through but yeah um yeah the application process is like six months of torture because you don't know what's (laughs) happening but then at the end of it hopefully you find like your pot of gold Mm, okay and i I remember that you not to say it was a complete whim because like you said you like prepared for it in a lot um like way in advance but Mm -hmm. it was kind of a well, I guess like anyone, you weren't sure if you're going to get it or not. So do you, if you hadn't gotten the scholarship, were you still, like, would you still try to find another way to get to Korea? Or like, what was the bigger party? Was it getting to Korea to study film there? Or was it just like, 
getting into a graduate film program, regardless of the location? Uh, I actually, I was conflicted about that because a part of me wanted to go back to school and just study film rigorously. Hmm. And I could do that at home. I didn't actually need to leave. Uh, But another part of me was very aware that I was like 20, I don't know how old, but just in my 20s and not experiencing life beyond working full time Mm -hmm. and living at home and not really meeting anyone out of my own bubble, no matter how great my bubble is. Um, The point is like, I I just knew that no matter what I did, I wasn't going to be able to survive at home. But I don't think I ever really committed to choosing one or the other because I just hoped that it would work out. Mm -hmm. And I was working full time at the time and I had a very good job, very good benefits and all that. And it was putting me in a very good position to like volunteer on the side, work with film on the side, take extra side classes. And that's probably what I would have ended up doing. I think eventually I might have moved somewhere else. But it would have been after a lot of my own networking and creating or, you know, having more experiences within the film industry. Because I also was pretty well situated in terms of, like, the Ottawa film scene, I think, at the Hmm. time. But, yeah. I see. Okay. Luckily, you you didn't have to figure that out, you know. Um, But, yeah, I was was just curious because I know, you know, you had your previous experience in Korea. So I wasn't sure if, like... Mm -hmm. Which was the, um, if, if there was like a bigger priority between like, you know, studying film and the, the place in which you would end up studying film in grad school. But, um, yeah, anyway, it worked out. So it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned how like the Korean school system is really rigorous and there's no one like holding your hand or anything. So, I mean, I'm sure you have like, I guess a thesis advisor and all that as part of your program, but like in terms of just like, adjusting to things or if you have issues or need someone to hear you out there's no is there no like support structure like that in place um so we actually have a really good administrative team at my school for the all of the international students Hmm. and i really appreciate them they were my first point of contact with the school and i they have us come into the office once a month to see how we're doing and i really appreciate them i've grown closer with the people there over the past two-ish years Mm -hmm. and they're all really lovely and they you know they they try their best to make this a good experience for us Mm -hmm. and advocate for us however on the academic side we are all kind of (laughs) deposited at the doors of our departments and our departments kind of choose how they're going to figure like work with us Mm -hmm. so some people have much more like they'll have a, a student who will work in a lab with them to make sure that they are doing everything they need to do and they're getting maybe not support because it's still another student, but they're, they're being kept in the loop mm-hmm. and they're kind of put aside in a special category because they're foreign. My mm-hmm. department has, I can't say has done that. It's, they treat us basically like any other student, uh, which would be fine, except there's a huge communication and cultural barrier that exists. And we are very much figuring things out as we go mm-hmm. and it's not it's not ideal honestly i don't find my masters like education itself very challenging but it is the administration slash or administrative slash linguistic 
barriers that mm. really cause me grief. And is your instruction in Korean as well? Is everything in Korean? Yeah, every, everything's in Korean. Oh, wow. I mean... <laughs> Uh, (laughs) because i know you you know the first time you went to korea was to study korean and then if i remember Mm -hmm. correctly didn't you like have to spend some time somewhere else in korea like learning korean before you started Uh, your film program yeah so the first time i went to korea wasn't it wasn't to study korean at all i took film mostly film oh my bad yeah just okay yeah just credits but then I did spend a year learning Korean in another city outside Seoul, Seoul called Daejeon. And, you know, really, like, that's really, I think, when people ask me, oh, how do you learn Korean? I'm, that's it. You just have to spend a year at a, <laughs> <laughs> living in a dorm and studying Korean every single day of your life. And then, you know, something will happen from there. But, yeah, I spent one year studying Korean. It was incredibly intensive, very hardcore, and unfortunately, I don't have much to show for it. I mean, like, I'm pretty okay in Korean, mm-hmm. but I'm nowhere near where you need to be to study a master's degree, especially for someone who spent half the year learning on Zoom as well. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, the language school experience could only go so far for me. Right. So then, like, what do you do when you don't know what's going on or, like, there's, like, communication issues? Well... Thank God I have another wonderful classmate who is also in, in a similar predicament as me, except she is so much better in Korean than I am. So mm. we, I rely on her a lot and I think we help each other through everything together. And I'm very thankful for her because she can catch things that I can't catch sometimes. And it helps a lot with context. Mm. Um, and that was especially important when we were studying on Zoom because I didn't have any friends. I couldn't make any friends uh, within the classes because we're just on a Zoom call. Mm -hmm. So now that I have offline classes, it's so, I mean, it's it's a little bittersweet, but uh, it's so nice to actually meet my classmates. And they are also such a big help to me. Like if I have any questions, if I need help with something, they're more than willing to spend their time helping me and helping me figure things out Mm -hmm. um, as well as talking to the professors on my behalf or asking extra questions for me they are super helpful i am so grateful for them they're really lovely people also my professors are very aware that i'm a foreigner who Mm. speaks a very limited amount of korean and sometimes they take pity on me sometimes they don't it'll (laughs) depend I see. It depends. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Wh- why did you say that being in class, like in-person class, was somewhat mm-hmm. bittersweet? Well, just because I'm very aware that th- I only have one semester that I get to experience offline. Mm. And I'm very aware that the other three semesters were essentially, as I suspected, wasted. Um, I didn't get to really make any friendships. I didn't get to the in-class experience via Zoom and offline is so different, mm-hmm. um, especially as someone who is not fully fluent in Korean. So because of that, you know, I, I'm like, damn, like this, this panorama really had to happen when I, <laughs> when I started this experience, like really had to ruin it for me. But I am still grateful at the same time, but mm-hmm. whatever I got what I got. But yeah, it's, it's very bittersweet. Yeah, that 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 really sucks. I don't <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that because it's like it can't it couldn't be helped, right? You know, and yeah. um, yeah, 
And yeah, I, <laughs> I love all the P names that have come out as a <laughs> as a result of <laughs> trying to make light of a dark situation. I think my exactly fr- that, yeah. <laughs> I think my friend and I used to call it the, uh, the Pippi Longstocking. I think I saw oh, someone call it that, and I was like, oh, that one. is. <laughs> So that one it always tickles me. me. <laughs> Every time, whatever comes out of my mouth, it comes out of my mouth. Sometimes it's Panorama. Sometimes it's Panda Express. <laughs> sometimes it's just a pinnacle. I don't know. It's just it's different every time. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the universe is paying me back in other ways, I like to think. So it's okay mm. that all this has happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, at least you have had this. You said this is your last semester? Yes. Yeah. So at least you've had this time to at least, you know, get to know your classmates in person and, yeah. you, you know, forge those, yeah. um, those bonds and have them mm-hmm. help you when needed. So, yeah. um, what made you choose the your university that you're at in the first place? Uh, I, you know, I asked myself the same thing, <laughs> <laughs> not in a bad way, but I'm, I, I don't know what I was like mentally thinking at the time. Or what I was thinking at the time when I was selecting that. But um, so one thing is that this is technically a pretty good school in the country. It's everyone knows it when I say it, say the name. So because names are kind of important in Korea. And when I was looking at film programs, this is one of the schools that popped up first. I was also didn't really serve me well but at the time i was like i want to go to a school that has a good atmosphere has a good like location and this location is excellent i will say Mm. um my school is a kind of famous for its neighborhood i guess uh and Mm. all the areas that surround it so that was another aspect i wanted to have like a good school life um which yeah anyways (laughs) (laughs) moving on i'm not bitter (laughs) um (laughs) but yeah that was one of the other reasons uh there's a prolific director who works at my school as well uh so yeah there's just like all these different combination reasons that brought me to use it as one of my applications and then they accepted me and i was like okay Mm -hmm. well you win yeah (laughs) Yeah, maybe not in all the ways that you thought you would win, yeah, but no. you know, like you said, maybe in other ways things are balancing out. So it's not all you know disappointment or just having to adjust your expectations and all that. But yeah, okay, mm-hmm. you know, you have your fellow international students there that you mm-hmm. interact with. Are you in contact with the other? I don't know if it's if you're considered a cohort, but the other people who got the scholarship around the same time as you. Are you like in touch with them? Uh- so in terms of my cohort, I would link back to like the people from my language school. Mm. Those are the people that I would say I'm in contact with a lot because we entered the experience together. <laughs> we experienced COVID together mm-hmm. and then uh, we all are in different schools, but we're all sim- going through similar issues. So the ones that I became friends with, I'm still pretty tight with, I would say. I'm excited. I look forward to a time where I can say I've graduated, but I don't look forward to us maybe being separated again because mm-hmm. we we're very much each other's rocks for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, and they're all wonderful people. But yeah, we, we are still pretty tight, still keep in touch right now. Not so much because of most of us are doing our thesis prep, mm-hmm. but we all wish, wish each other the best, I think. 
Well, that's good. That's really good that you'll have each other. Um, yeah. In terms of your thesis, you know, I was curious about, you know, what, I mean, it's still in progress. So you don't have to tell mm-hmm. me about all of it. But, like, what is yeah. it that you're focusing in on in your grad program? And, like, what, how does that tie into, like, what you want to do in film in the future? So my program is a lot more theory-based than I would like it to be. Hmm. But I also think that's fine because I think an important thing about filmmaking itself is understanding what makes a good film. And uh, even more important than that to me is understanding the societal impacts a film can have Hmm. and the narratives and just being able to dissect all of these things, understand where they come from and understand how they can impact the viewer so that's something i'm very passionate about but all that to say um my program has been i've I've had a lot of different classes on different things i've had music classes i've had literature classes philosophy in film all these things and in the end the subjects i'm currently working on in my thesis is about mostly horror films and the uh I'm, i'm like it's what I write and think about every single day and then I have to explain it. I'm like, ah, (laughs) well, you see. But basically it is um, horror as a means of uh, justice, or sorry, vengeance as a means means of justice Ah. for women in horror films. And I'm specifically kind of referring to sexual assault in films. Hmm. So what comes after the point of vengeance for, for women. And yeah, that is... It's where I'm at right now. I have several film case studies I'm kind of dissecting. And sometimes it's fun and sometimes it makes me angry. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's satisfying. But in the end, I'm, I've become very attached to it. I love it. I'm proud of it. But I never want to hear about film <laughs> and feminism ever again. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I can understand that sentiment, you know, it's consumed so much of your life at this point, you know. Yeah. Um, but that is fascinating. That is so cool. Because I um, I wouldn't say that I'm a horror fan. Actually, no, I, I actually can't say I'm a horror fan. Like, I, I watched okay. The Ring when it came out, and I was just a little too young for it, and I didn't realize it until afterward, and it kind of scarred me for life. So it's like... Um, I you. <laughs> But I don't because I don't know, like the concepts are so interesting that I'm still curious, even though I, I know that the way my mind works, it's just going to linger for a long time. And I just, yeah. that's not good for me. Anyway, what you gotta do. yeah, but my point in saying all that is like, I don't watch horror films very often, but I do listen to like movie review podcasts that focus on horror films. So I can like know what they're about without having to watch them myself. Nice. Yes. And, and that comes up a lot where they'll talk about people talk about why they like horror so much is it's like you it can comment on social issues um mm-hmm. in a way that you might not other, might not otherwise see in other films and so people don't take horror seriously mm-hmm. but it actually yeah. has a lot going on it comments on a lot so mm-hmm. um yeah i just think that's so fascinating <laughs> that yeah. that's your that's you know what you're doing with your thesis i can see how it can be anger inducing given the subject matter that you're dealing yeah. with but that's so One cool. Thing about horror is that, like, I think from the start, women have always had a huge role in it. Mm. Uh, maybe not comparable to other film genres. So we've always, like, women have always been ha- had such a strong relationship to horror, mm. and it was just a matter of women being able to control the narrative mm. instead of being 
constantly the victims in certain films. Yeah. They can uh, change the narrative and gain a bit of justice back on their end as, as far as much as you can after experiencing something brutalizing. But mm. yeah, I, I just, I love being able to see film in that, in that type of, to give it that respect that it deserves. Uh, that it's not just it's, it's not just jump scares. Horror right. movies are so much more than that. Exactly, it's such a good commentary on society, and also jump scares are, are great sometimes too. <laughs> we love it all. Yeah. Oh yeah. Are you focusing on? Is there like a certain like um like are you focusing on Korean film as part of your thesis, or is or is it like a films from different I countries? Do, I do have a mention of Korean films just because I'm here. So. Mm-hmm writing about it uh one that i've kind of centered in on is park chan the handmaiden mm, um, yes though some debate it's not a horror film i argue that it uses horror aspects therefore we can consider it a horror film mm-hmm. but uh that is one of the films that i'm focusing on though i would say that it is my my project is mainly based on western films because i do not feel qualified to comment on uh, any other like Korean feminism, for example, or feminism from any other countries, just because I can only really research and speak for my own what I've experienced on my side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Western feminism. I see. I don't under- I don't see how people can't see that Handmaiden is also like I get a horror vibe from it. I mean, wait, absolutely. You're talking about the one that's like kind of like a lesbian revenge thriller. That yes, one. Okay. That yes. One. Yeah, I mean, isn't there, there's some sort of graphic thing at the end with a hand or something like that. It's a whole bunch of spooky yeah. stuff going on in that movie. Like, it's very, it's very gory, as <laughs> most Park films typically are. Yeah. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot happening that can make it a, just a little uncomfortable to watch. Even though, you know, you could say at the end of the day, it is a, it's kind of, a, it's a really romantic story at mm-hmm. the same time. So, yeah, but, you know. It's definitely, it's definitely got horror aspects and elements in there. Horror techniques are very much being employed. I mean, and also like, you know, it's set during Japanese colonization. I feel like that in itself is a horror in itself living yeah, in a, in a, in an oppressed situation like that. So yeah. And especially, gosh, don't, I mean, don't even get me started. to just like <laughs> to reveal the whole thesis right here like, <laughs> no you don't have to do all that you can <laughs> you can keep uh, some to yourself but yeah I just you know I feel where you're coming from is, is what I'm saying <laughs> thank you yes <laughs> don't want you to reveal all your all the good stuff too soon while you're mm-hmm. still working on it but um dang I'm just I'm realizing I have to probably need to rewatch it it's been a few years but anyway um <laughs> <laughs> That is, yeah, that is so cool. Um, yeah, how did you decide to go toward horror films? Like, why is that the like the genre that you decided to gravitate toward? On top, so on top of everything, like just the fact that it's a good reflection of society and horror gives a lot of agency to women. I find on on a personal level for me, growing up, so my mom uh, started learning English when our family moved to Canada. Mm. And so at the time for her learning English, it's not super fun to watch like a weird, not like a historical drama, romantic movie where mm. they're using like 
ye old English. Um, <laughs> so uh, we'd have this family tradition where we would rent three movies from Blockbuster every week or so. Hmm. And one of them, usually from my mom, was always a horror movie. Because for horror, you don't need to like hear all of the words. You don't need to know what's being said mm-hmm. to understand. If there's a killer on the loose, it's a pretty universal understanding of what what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom likes these movies. She finds them so fun. And so growing up, I was very much, very, way too young to be watching these movies. <laughs> but I had so much fun watching them with her. Often, none of my sisters really appreciated horror. So I w- it would be me and her on a Sunday afternoon just watching horror movies. And it just continued that way. I would get super scared. She wouldn't. But I would get super scared. But I'd be like, no, nah, it's good. I'm good. Let's go pop the next one in. Um, just because I loved spending that time with her. And I love that we were yeah. both able to to know what was happening in the movie and guess what would happen next. So, yeah, I, I think for me, horror, growing up, horror just it, it gave me such a love and appreciation or I appreciated horror mm. so much because I could share it with my mom as a someone who loves cinema. And still to this day, I look at new releases and I'm like, oh, hey, mom, you should watch this. Even though I'm not here with you to watch it, you're going to love this movie. I can yeah. tell. So, yeah. yeah. That's, that's what horror is for me. That is so sweet. I was about to say like, oh, that's really unconventional that you and your mom b- bonded over horror <laughs> movies. But then I remembered that... Me and my, I call her my aunt. She's more like a family mm-hmm. friend. But me and my aunt, we bonded a lot over watching The Gladiator when I was a kid. Nice. And nice. it was mostly because she would respond to it like she was watching a wrestling mat. So, like, every time someone got their head, like, bashed in or something, it would be like, yeah, get it. Like, <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And so I would get more of a kick out of just watching her react to it than the movie itself. But, like, The Gladiator is as violent mm. as it is. It's like... Yeah, it's like a fond memory for me because of yeah. the context in which I watched it, you know. <laughs> yeah, like no matter how gory it is, it comes with so many great memories. Yeah. Know? Who cares if someone lost a leg or an arm or a head? <laughs> Whatever. It's not your problem. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, that also is re- the reason why I ended up liking Game of Thrones so much is because it reminded me of the gladiator. And then that just reminded nice. me of my, my aunt. So it's like, yeah, Aww. I just have this fond attachment to some really violent things sometimes. But it's, you know, yeah. again, not just about the the movie or the show itself. It's like a, everything around it, like that experience mm-hmm. of watching it. So, yeah, that's really mm-hmm. sweet yeah. that you and your mom were able to <laughs> to bond over that. And it has evolved yeah. into what it is now. So... Um, excuse me so you know you're in Seoul now and when you went to Korea the first time you were also in Seoul Uh, so I was curious you know coming back for grad school did Mm -hmm. is it like a completely different experience or did it feel more like I don't know coming home in a way for you Um, when I was an exchange student one thing I always noticed there was there was a very strong difference between myself and all the other exchange students hmm. and the students who were there full-time or the international students who were there full-time mm-hmm. there was like a wall between us because one seemed more miserable than the other and i understand it now that i'm on the other side of that mm-hmm. um it's uh, how to explain it like when you live in korea 
for a long, a prolonged amount of time, I feel like, and I don't want to like spread pedal this narrative about expats or immigrants living in Korea and blah, blah, blah. Mm. But a lot of people get jaded over time uh, just because of the things they experience. Mm. And so I do feel that, um, you know, things are not as happy-go-lucky as they once were. But then again, who is more free than an exchange student living abroad, right? Mm. But to to an extent, it felt like a bit of a homecoming, but not really. It was just, I, I was there under, I was here under completely different context. Yeah. And so I just, I knew going into it that I wasn't going to have similar experiences but I don't think really anything could prepare me for living in Korea during COVID. Ah, uh, yes. Because um, that, that changed any expectations that I would have had uh, on the flight to Korea. It just completely shifted them. So I can't say that it's comparable even. Yeah. You've got a good point there. Like, you know, um, being a full-time student versus, you know, an exchange student, a study abroad student mm-hmm. is only there for a short time. Plus, like, um, dealing with COVID. Cause you, when did you get there? Was it like 2019 or something? Yeah. Yeah. So it was like before everything really set in. And yeah, so. Yeah, I had a few months of peace. <laughs> <laughs> and then plus you're, you know, you're older, like you're living more. I guess maybe you have more adult concerns or responsibilities yeah. at this phase yeah. of your life as well. So it's, it is really Absolutely. different. Mm-hmm. So I know that you said like being, being there during COVID has really, you know, shifted things in terms of what you've been able to do and mm-hmm. how you were expecting to experience Korea this time. But I mean, mm-hmm. do you, what, is there anything that you really like about living in Seoul? Like from what you have been able to like experience there and explore, like, is there, do you have any favorite things about living in Seoul? Oh my gosh, so much. Um, one thing that never changed was just, oh, even though COVID did impact it, mm-hmm. one thing that hasn't changed is my love for the nightlife, my love for just the media world itself that they have here, mm-hmm. which has become very accessible to me. Um, I also love that the fact that like live music, for example, is so accessible and so easy to find. And... I'm really big into cafes and cafe culture. So I would Mm. say that's another aspect as well. Um, I think one thing that sets them apart is they all have so many different like aesthetic looks and Mm. they all have a different, their thing. A lot of cafes just have a different thing. And so I like to hang out there. Just it's a nice way to spend an afternoon, Mm -hmm. but mainly my, my main interest is the fact that I can just go with my laptop and work. Yeah. Uh, and be productive and I can force myself to girl boss if we, as I like to say. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll force myself to just be productive in a very compact amount of time. And I feel so much better about it than mm. like me sitting at home being like, oh, it's one more episode of Law and Order and then I'll be productive. <laughs> uh, in that case, no, it's embarrassing to sit in a cafe and watch Law and Order. You can't do that. Yeah. You have to be productive. <laughs> Yeah, I could say that could be a good motivator. I mean, is people watching also a uh, an advantage for you, or is that not something that you that you are into doing? <laughs> I like don't <laughs> like to make eye contact with oh, people, okay. so no, that is not something I'm into either. <laughs> okay, that's fair. 
Yeah, so you mentioned that you were in Daejeon. I don't know yeah. if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah. Um, when you first came this time for, you know, to do the intensive language, Korean mm-hmm. language study. Are there any other cities that stand out that you've been to that you, outside of Seoul, that you really, you've really enjoyed spending time in? Uh, Busan is a big one. We love Busan. Uh, Busan's just always fun and people there are nice and it's good vibes. I didn't travel as much as I would have liked to again, just because right. I'm very redundant, I know, but just because of COVID. No, it's okay. Um, I mean, that's reality, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, people love to go to Jeju Island. I am also included in people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also just so many like coastal cities that are just nice to spend a weekend at. Um, like, I don't actually know if it's coastal, but Yosu, for example, which is like surrounded by water and it's just so gorgeous. Mm. Um, so that's another great one. Korea just has so many places for you to discover. And even after living in Seoul for, oh, what, now almost two years, over two years, I still have so much left to discover of it, too. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's a lot of great places. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. And, you know, with the modeling thing, I yeah. think I remember you said in a video that you kind of, like, stumbled into it or it was by chance or, like, yeah. kind of lucked into modeling. So... Can you speak to how you started plus size modeling and how um, how it feels to? I'm trying to remember what you said. Almost like be a like a pioneer or be spearheading this facet of the industry in terms of being a plus size model. I I, I feel like I'm still wrapping my head up around it. It's very mm. exciting, and I still think that I have a lot of like, mental work to do to be able to claim it comfortably Hmm. but it is a really cool time to like be here and experience this um i was saying that like i stumbled into it and it's still true but i'm just trying to be like more no it was it was meant to be type about it situation Hmm. so that i feel like less of an imposter (laughs) but um basically i put myself out there and booking people like people who are booked who booked me liked it hmm. and they wanted they wanted to book me and that was pretty much it i just put myself out there and it worked out for me so far at least but putting yourself out there on instagram yeah um putting yourself out there on instagram but also with like companies just letting them know who you are hmm. so that if they ever think oh yeah you you know we need this then they then they know who you are uh, that's so interesting that you were saying how you're trying to not feel like an imposter about things. But I, I guess I can understand if there's so many, if it's happened as swiftly if it, as it happened for you and you got like some really major gigs, like mm-hmm. with, like BTS, of course. And I think you did something yeah. with G-Dragon as well. Like, I yeah. can see how it can be like, feel unreal, you know? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah very much so. But it's like, uh, well, hmm. Not to say that women need to be more humble, but I mean, do do you think it helps in terms of just like having the humility to just kind of like go in and get the job done versus like being starstruck or being too like wrapped up in like the minutia of things? Like the fact that you are so new and you're kind of just being thrust into these new situations, do you think it helps to kind of just like focus on the work at hand? Um, no, I wish I were less humble. 
um, I wish I could like drag these things out and be like, yeah, that was me. Period. I did that. Mm. Um, just because I, I feel very like burdened by the, mm. oh, yeah, that was me. Yeah, he did that. Um, but I mean, yeah, I guess there's like a part of it. I don't, I'm not a person, I guess, who gets very starstruck. Like I'm just there to do a job. And I hope I do a good job and I hope I do like they want to hire me again type situation. Mm -hmm. I'm not super obsessed with the names, I guess, but I I know that it's like a reflection of, oh, this is the severity of the job. This name is involved. So uh, (laughs) I'm I'm not ignorant to the fact. It's just that I don't want to overdo it, if you will. Yeah. I'm not to say that you would mess anything up, but I can see how it's just like, I just want to go and do a good job and not mess things up. But at the same yeah. time, yeah, I feel like you probably should be a little more like, you know, feeling yourself, you know, <laughs> you've yeah. been able like to it do would help me. Yeah. I feel like you've been, you've done some really great work as it is. And like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe some of it's luck, but also some of it is like, a lot of it is like talent. Like it's not just. It's not just that people want you, like, for your face. Like, there's obviously something that you add to it that Mm -hmm. gets you booked and everything, so. Yeah. I feel like I'm just starting to understand that now. Yeah. I mean, and how long has it been since you started, since you started modeling? Just a few months. Oh, okay. Wow. It's like the fall, I think. I see. And you had, did you have any, like modeling aspirations before you actually started doing it in Korea? No. No. Absolutely not. I am much more comfortable on the other side of the camera. So, I mean, does that change things for you? Do you want to be, like, more in front of the camera now? Yeah. I mean, just from the perspective of an filmmaker slash aspiring filmmaker, um, being on the in front of the camera, I feel like I'm learning a lot on how I can direct Mm -hmm. and how I can have who whoever's in in my lens or in my frame um how i can direct them how i can explain things to them i feel like i learn a lot about that when i'm on the other side and so it's been very educational for myself and vice versa like it feels cool to be able to see a director up close and talk with them and get to know them how they're how they got like this far in their in their journey and i really enjoy that aspect of getting to do jobs as well. Just like being able to meet someone in the same field as me. Cause it's kind yeah. of been my only opportunity to do so. Yeah. That's so, oh wow. Yeah. Cause you're, you're like you said, you're learning about it from both ends. Like you're learning more yeah. about how you can direct actors in the future. Cause you've been in their, their shoes, you know? Yeah. So it's not like, it's not just you being able to visualize it, but you can also like, you know, have that experience of being in front of the camera so you can, know more fully like what you're talking about what you're asking them to do and then behind the scenes also like you know you also get to observe how directors work and that adds to your knowledge base when it comes to filmmaking as well so yeah that's um exactly yeah i don't know why i never thought of that i think i thought like (laughs) oh she models that must be so fun you get to dress up you get to meet all these fascinating people but it's also like instructive from a filmmaking standpoint as well yeah, that's really I, cool. I very much feel like it's my second school. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's like an added benefit of doing it too. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, you're, you're a plus size model in Korea. And I think I, I mean, obviously I'm not there, so I don't know like what all is out there. But, you know, I have seen some like, 
Korean plus size modeling agency accounts on mm-hmm. Facebook or Instagram or even like Korean plus size um, clothing lines or what's the other word? Like natural size or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For people who are used to thinking of Korea as a place just full of like skinny people, can you speak to like from your experience how prevalent bigger bodies are like do you see like in your day-to-day you know what does it look like in terms of like body diversity in korea it's uh i'm like watching my words a bit because i don't want to like say something that the majority of people don't find to be true Mm. but i find that it's very much not at all how it's being presented online or like in media Hmm. like there are a lot of there's diversity absolutely in that sense and you see it in your day-to-day you see it on the train you see it uh in schools there are so many different types of people and it would be unfair to say that oh no there's just like one type of body type which i don't think it's true Hmm. um and i think the emergence of different like expansion of sizes in stores is evidence of that. Hmm. Um, people used to be like, oh, well, if you need like bigger size, you can go to H&M. But no, there's like Korean stores you can go to now to go to as well. Hmm. So yeah, I think that's one thing. And there are, as far as I know, the Curve is the only agency, though there might be more that are dedicated to like natural size models. Um, Absolutely, there are so many Korean models who are out here killing it and getting their names out there and they're beautiful and it's just really lovely to see them. It's really lovely to see the diversity and see them be embraced by the entertainment world. And yeah, uh, I think it's it's a time of change in Korea in many different aspects and this is just one of them. Yeah, it's good that you you get to be a part of it, you know. Um, yeah, and, and to I'm really thrilled and very grateful to be able to be a part of that. And then bringing other people in by, you know, like you said, putting yourself out there and just showing what you're doing. It's like, oh, I didn't know that, you know, <laughs> girls yeah. from Canada could go to Korea and do this type of thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or black girls yeah, from Canada, totally. especially. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I, I know you said, you know, you, with working on your thesis and stuff, you're like, you know, really into what you're working on, but you don't want to talk about, like, cinema and feminism ever again once you're done with this. <laughs> Is that to say that you're, like, done with school also completely after this? <laughs> there was a part of me that was considering a PhD, but I just don't think I have it in me anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you'll change. If you, if you have a few years, like, distance between yeah. this experience and the next one, then maybe you might change your mind. But if you don't, that's okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. We, who knows? Who knows? Who knows, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, once your program is finished, I guess, what would you like to be doing after your program is finished? Do you see yourself staying in Korea? Do you have any, like, types of projects you'd really like to be working on? You know, what is your ideal vision of what you'd be doing after your um, master's program is through? Um, I've, I've been thinking about that for a very long time now, and it's a question that stresses me out, but... Oh, I'm not trying I, to stress you out, not, <laughs> No, not, not, not in a bad way. Well, just, like, not your fault at all. It's just, it's, it's looming. It's there. It's mm-hmm. definitely there. Uh, and I have to confront it 
very soon. Um, in a perfect world, I really would like to continue what I'm doing right now with freelance modeling. Hmm. I know that I hold myself back like from it because first of all, I'm a student. I have to, I have obligations, mm-hmm. but it's also because it's still very new to me and I'm not like giving it my all. And I, I, I think that next step wise, if I am lucky enough that things work out for me with school and I'm able to stay longer, that is, I think what I would like to dedicate myself to. Um, mm. I'm having fun doing it. It stresses me out. It's challenging. It's not particularly easy, but I like being able to do that. So yeah, I, I think that would be my main priority. And I also really like content creating. So I'm hoping I can find some work to do that allows me the opportunity to mix that in as well. Mm. Um, and yeah, not to say I'm not interested in working or pursuing film anymore at all. That's not true. It's just, I see some other avenues that are opening up as well. Yeah. And I'd like to explore them. Yeah, that's fair. And, um, yeah, like you said, uh, more modeling, more content creation, you know, and maybe some filmmaking stuff will come along in time as well. But, um, Yeah, going after the opportunities that are presenting themselves to you now sounds like a good deal. So that's exciting. Well, what would you say? You mentioned like challenges. What would you say is the most challenging part of of modeling? Well, I was a person who, like, for example, one of the reasons I first started making YouTube videos was because I'm very awkward and uncomfortable in front of the camera, hmm. and I would cringe while. I'll, editing my own videos because I'd be like, what? why do I look like that? What am I doing? <laughs> and now I like I'm front and center in a studio at a photo shoot and my picture gets blown up on a monitor and like 20 people are staring at it mm-hmm. trying to decide if it's a good enough picture and we can move on to the next shot or not. So that's, a, that's a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, Basically, anytime I do a job or accept to do a job, a part of me is like, no, I don't want to do this. I hate, why would I want to accept this? <laughs> and the other part of me is like, great, another challenge. Let's hit it. I see. So, yeah. Thankfully, you haven't yielded to that um, Yeah. That feeling of not wanting to do it. Like, you're still doing it, you know, and still... Um, yeah, just push through. Pushing through, exactly. Yeah. What would you say that you like the most about modeling? I'm sure it's... Part of it is just fun because it's so new to you, right? But yeah, yeah, what do you like most about it? I love, for a long time, while wanting to, like, while making videos, while taking photos, whatever, Mm -hmm. behind the lens, I would be concentrating on what I can do to make this a good image. Hmm. How can I make this a better photo or a video or whatever? And now when I'm modeling, when I'm in front of the camera, I get to decide for myself, like, how can I make this a better picture? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's fun to be able to be on the other side of the camera and just do what I think looks good. And hopefully the director also thinks looks good, Mm -hmm. like create that synergy between us in which it's like very much a partnership and we're just trying to make the best frame (laughs) or the best like composition of uh, of images and yeah that, that's one of my favorite things is just being able to physically 
literally take up the frame and figure out how to make it a good picture mm. or a video or whatever. Um, and there's a part of me that's not like, I'm not super excited to be like, Oh, she's like an advocate or whatever, but a part of me is. Um, and I think that's just something I have to like grow into liking, but it's, 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 it's a cool position to be in. So that's another thing I like about it. An advocate for plus size models in Korea, or just like greater acceptance of plus size people in Korea. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Everything. Um, just like positive, like, body positivity and mm. neutrality and all these things i'm not like a person who's ever really been outspoken on these well not i'm actually no i i, w- I wouldn't con- not consider myself a person who's also outspoken but i it's just not something that i ever found myself at the forefront of um and now because of the jobs i do i kind mm. of am and it's like a responsibility so mm. I don't want to like disappoint in that sense, even though I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Yeah, when you put it that way, it does sound it does sound like a really big responsibility. But um, I'm sure you'll find the best way for you to to do that. You know, in terms of like advocacy, in a way that doesn't hopefully doesn't make it less. Or what am I trying to say? In a way that's not daunting. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Thank you. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I, oh, something I wanted to ask you earlier is, um, mm-hmm. you know, you've been away for a few years. How does your family feel about you being in Korea? You know, how do they feel about the things you're doing in Korea, especially? You know, how does your, what has been your family's reaction to this current journey of yours in Korea? They are super supportive. They, I'm, I'm very close to my family. We pretty much talk every day. Uh, if not through calls, then through our group chat. And whenever I have something going on, they are always there to support me, to send words of encouragement whenever I may need it. And I'm extremely, extremely, extremely grateful to have them. Um, They're the best. I know that they understand what I'm trying to do. And they see the vision. Mm-hmm. And they are, <laughs> though, like, they, they miss me, I'm, I'm sure. I like to think that. Um <laughs> Of course they, they do. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're, they're just very supportive and they trust that I know what I'm doing, even though I don't. And yeah. that this is all for the greater good. Um, and I, I miss my mom a lot. She misses me too. It, but we're making it work. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you said earlier when we were talking about how like mm-hmm. living in Korea is like, basically you have to kind of be like resilient to try and like to adjust to that you know and maybe there are things that you give up in the process of gaining all that you've gained now so i can understand you know missing your family especially missing your mom um i'm a baby (laughs) that's okay i get it i'm really close to my mom too so i understand but um that's good that they are so supportive of you um Mm -hmm. is there any way that you would be able to like see them like do you have plans to, I don't know, hop over to Canada to see them? Or does anyone have plans to visit you? I hope so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but as of now, no, I don't. I mm. did just visit them in the winter. It was very short, only three weeks. Mm. But I was so grateful every single day that I had the opportunity to see them. And it was the happiest three weeks of my life, probably. Mm. Um, I mean, it depends on how the next six months of my life goes basically i guess yeah um i'm hoping that soon not soon but you know within a 
appropriate amount of time, I'm hoping that I can live in a way that if I want to travel back home for some time, then I can afford it mm-hmm. both time-wise, financially, etc. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of my goal. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. That would be, that's like ideal, right? You know, not to have to worry about time constraints, money constraints, and still yeah. being able to see the people you love while still having, you know, the, your own life that you've built up to up to this point where it is now. So I hope yeah, that happens for you too. I really Thank do. You. <laughs> Manifest. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, thinking about, you know, studying in Korea, uh, especially, you know, being in grad school in Korea. Um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you have any advice, first of all, financially, how, do you have any advice for being able to afford studying in Korea? And then also, just generally, do you have any, like, other wisdom or takeaways that you would want to share with people interested in doing something similar to what you're doing? Um, I would say financially, I'm the worst with finances. (laughs) (laughs) So just don't do what I do. Okay. And that's a lot. (laughs) But um, ask for help when you need it. Hmm. just even I mean I, I I personally haven't done it but I have friends who have taken loans from their professors from personal administration that they're close to at school just because they needed it and there was no really they didn't really have any other options hmm. so if no one knows you're struggling they can't really help you so hmm. yeah I guess, I guess that's one piece of advice I have and the other would be, just in general, speaking generally, it's not, I don't know if it's like the wisest thing, but whatever it is that you want to do, the only thing stopping you is you from starting. So, oh, I don't know if I made sense saying that. Ugh. No, I got it. I understood pra- what you said. <laughs> practice that. That's okay. No. That was <laughs> fine. It's a in the moment thing. Uh, <laughs> um, well, yeah, whatever it is that you do want to do the first step to making it happen is you. So just do it. If, if you aspire to do something, whatever it is, if it's creative, if it's something super daunting, if it's incredibly rare that you will find yourself in the position to do it, just do it. Just force yourself to do it because life is not easy and it can be very long and you don't want to live a life thinking, well, I never went for it. Mm. You don't want to have regrets. Yeah. Uh, and you never know where it can take you. Yeah. You could end up being a model or who knows what yeah. else you don't know that you can yeah. do yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's wild out here. Yeah. Okay. You know, those are both that all that is really great advice. I appreciate you for sharing that. Um, yeah. And my my last question for you is where can people reach you or keep up with you online if you would like them to do so? Yes. So my Instagram username is Haria with 10 A's, H-O-R-E-A-A-A-A-A-A. <laughs> Just write a bunch of A's, you'll find me. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, Haria was taken by someone who hasn't logged in in 10 years, but whatever. <sighs> uh, my TikTok is also the same name. You can find me there. My YouTube is youtube.com slash HariaXOX. And yeah, I think that's all I got. Okay. 
So we've got Haria with 10 A's on Instagram and <laughs> TikTok. And yeah. Haria XOX is the YouTube. Is yeah, YouTube. or you can just search up Haria Korea. You'll mm. find me. Yeah, okay. That works. Awesome. Yeah, lots of ways for people to find you and yeah. see all the cool things you're doing. And yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I know you were saying how, um, like, you appreciate your family, trusting that you know what you're doing, even though you mm-hmm. feel like you don't. Um, mm-hmm. But I just want to say it is really inspiring to see all the stuff you're up to, even if you feel unsure about it. You're, from the outside looking in, it is really, like, inspiring to other people, including myself. And, um, yeah, something about, especially the YouTube channel, something about the feel of it is feels very, like, showing the... A little bit of, like, the whimsy of expat life that I guess people are attracted to, but not to the extent that it's, um, like, not real. I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say, but it's like you balance the two out really well. (laughs) Thank you so much. I I love hearing that. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, of course. You're very welcome. Um, And I appreciate you. Oh, Lord, it's so late for you right now. Um, (laughs) all good. But I really do appreciate... um, you making this time i really i really had a lot of fun talking to you i hope you had fun doing this as well i'm Um, I'm glad i really did i really loved i love talking to you so thank you so much for having me on oh you're very welcome this is so exciting um (laughs) it was really so great learning from you and like your interests and just kind of like how your how your mind works from a creative standpoint this has been really fun so I will let you go so you can hopefully sleep soon, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Or whatever you feel like doing. I know you have whatever your schedule is or your night owl tendencies are. I hope you do get some good rest at some point. (laughs) At some point. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I will let you go. Thanks again. And I will talk to you soon. Okay, Haria? Awesome. Take care. All right. You too. Take care as well. Bye. Bye. All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to Haria for being such a wonderful guest, and I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook, and at YG Abroad on Twitter. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on YoungGiftedAndAbroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to Young, Gifted, and Abroad wherever podcasts are, and you're welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you leave ratings and reviews. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode in two weeks, the guests will be, Amar, I, I don't even have to say it, right? I don't have to say <laughs> that that conversation has yet to be recorded, but Lord willing, if all goes according to plan, and thankfully things have been going according to plan so far, um, <laughs> the guest will be a scientist from the Congo who earned a graduate degree in Japan and is currently living and working in Japan. So you can look forward to hearing all about that in two weeks. But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.